for just about everything for the outdoors. Go to MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. It's part two of our elk calling Geminar, y'all, and Tony Gilbertson knocked it out of the park to kick off the series. And on this week's show, we ain't slowing down one bit. Our brother from another mother, the 2019 men's world calling champion and an absolute elk slayer, the Colorado killer himself, Mr. Jermaine Hodge is in the house. So get ready, y'all, and don't let the gems fall through your fingers. That discussions our Elk Bros shout outs and questions from our awesome Elk Bros mailbox. So my friends, pull up a chair, adjust your volumes just right, and welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting. Hello, everyone. I'm just as excited as you are for this next show. But if you don't mind, we're going to take a moment and mark the passing of a close friend of ours, Bob Hederman. Bob is the voice of the Elk Bros. You hear him every time at the beginning of our show. Bob was a close friend. He was a co-coach. He was our camp cook. Bob did whatever it did to contribute to our success, including wanting to be a part of our podcast. And he was very sick at the time that he did that, and he just still wanted to do whatever he could to make us successful. And let me tell you what, Bob led an incredible, incredible full life. But for us today, we're going to celebrate Bob. We're going to celebrate his life and everything that he stood for, because we absolutely know this. Bob has passed, but I tell you, the moment he walks through those gates, he looks over there and he sees Carl Gamage. He's going to smile. He's going to laugh that laugh of his, and he's going to say, hey, Carl, let's eat. (laughs) We're going to miss you, Bob, but we promise you this. We're going to see you on the next Ridge. Thank you all. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting, brought to you by ElkGrows.com, with your host, Gilbert Ornelas, and elk hunting coach, Joe Gillian. You want to hunt elk? They live to hunt elk. Their goal is to share with you what they have learned grinding it out for over 35 seasons doing what they love. So come on into camp and set a spell. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunters. Hello there, everyone. If it's your first time with us, glad to have you. Hope you enjoy our show. And as always, for those blue collar hunters following our show and grinding it out with us every week, Welcome back to Elk Camp. I'm Gilbert Ornelas, the host of your show, coming to you from a wild thunderstorm in spring, Texas. <laughs> and joining me is tonight's crew, 
We got the leader of the of the Venezuelan mafia with us, Luis Gonzalez. That's right. We got the Cali transplant here with us tonight, the leader of the Western <laughs> Contour Podcast. Mr. God, <laughs> we got the ninja, Leroy Chavez in the house, and we got WWJGDs with us, Joe Gillia. We got the full crew, and joining us tonight is the Colorado Killer himself, the 2019 Men's Division <laughs> World Champion. I mean, we got Mr. Jermaine Hodge in the Jermaine. house. <laughs> hey, Gil was Gil was awful excited doing that intro because all of us had volunteered. Did you notice it? I noticed it. He came with it tonight, man. There wasn't a stutter, stumble, nothing in that man's game tonight. So, so hey, people, hey. people don't realize Gil, Gil is, as usual, man, and this is not traveling about. Gilbert's in his truck. and They had a tornado go by his house there, took out all the power. He's in his truck. Had to go through down power lines, down trees. You're in a Walmart parking lot. Probably the safest place to be in any city. <laughs> Run to the Walmart. Yeah. <laughs> this dude driving over down power lines. You ever seen them things hanging off the back of a goat? If you look behind Gil, that's the same things hanging behind him. <laughs> hey, hey, I love it though. I love the dedication. I love yeah. it. Look, he's never missed one, man, from heck or high water. My wife says, you're going out in this? I said, I ain't missed a podcast ever, and I won't let a thunderstorm. I said, ain't no thunderstorm keeping me off the mountain. and Ain't no damn thunderstorm going to keep me from a podcast. I said, it might not be pretty, but I'm going to go make it happen. And look, guys, I'm I'm a little under the weather. I've had a sinus infection all week, so uh, I'm going to be leaning on you guys to do a whole lot tonight. But, man, we are so excited to have Jermaine Hodge, Guy Duplanche, Mr. Luis Gonzalez. I mean, this is an episode that everybody's going to want to hear because the gems are coming through tonight, right, Joe? Oh, absolutely, man. I mean, we had Tony last week. Uh, Jermaine is with us this week. I mean, we're just, I mean, what are we going to do for, for, you know, third at bat and then clean up, man, for home running it? But I mean, it's, uh, th- this I is, I don't know fantastic. what y'all going to do. Manano. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Jermaine, Jermaine's like, it's going to be downhill. Manano. <laughs> hey, really, Joe, really what you should do is you should, the the bros should be those follow episodes. Yeah. Seriously. So actually, um, what 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 I actually have in plan, so everybody knows, is I'm looking, and we're going to have Travis O'Shea come in uh, in the next one. And I'm not sure if it's going to happen that way, um, but we are almost getting ready to hit our 200th episode, and and then uh and then it's going to be us. We're going to kind of go over our stuff and uh. Uh, it's, it's going to be, you know, we got all these world-class guys. We, we need to go down to lower places. <laughs> oh, <laughs> man, there's world-class. Hey, can you, hey, can you imagine a Luis them. Gonzalez episode, a Gil Bernornelis episode, <laughs> a Chav Leroy Yeah, if episode, you want to go to lower I mean? places, then, then let's, <laughs> then let's go the with Manana, Manana then. <laughs> <laughs> but realistically, right, I mean, there's 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 lessons from each one of the bros, oh, yeah. right? That that are profound. That people find, you know, um, they're listening. 
<laughs> you know what and, I mean? There's, there's and so I think many. That's, I think that's going. I think you got a great idea, and that's where I was looking to go because when you take a look at all the different levels mm-hmm. and all the different experiences when everybody came in, there's a lot to contribute to this journey of calling. I mean, Luis has gone through it. Manano is in his infancy of it right now, you know, and Chav has where what he's done. And, and what's interesting is, is Chav was with Gil a lot to be able to teach and coach him, right, as he was coming up. So even because he had been on my rear end for years and years listening to everything that I did. And so with him being with Gil, he was able to, you know, get Gil to apply those same things. So yeah, I think, I think it's going to be great. But with Jermaine here, you know, uh, uh, we're excited, Jermaine, because there's even some stuff that are going to happen in our Elk Rose mailbox <coughs> here in just a second. But before we do there, just, um, you know, I tell everybody that, that we're brother from another mother because we're from the same area, man. We're both North Carolina boys, right? Nobody's yep. perfect, Joe. I told yep. you. <laughs> Hold that against him. Dude is a super nice guy. I mean, he's got a lot going for him. So, I mean, you can't hold that against him. <laughs> <laughs> but, and I think people that, that know you, Jermaine, um, give us just a quick 10,000 foot view of who Jermaine mm-hmm. Hodge is. Well, I am uh, originally from North Carolina, and uh, I, I, I couldn't say born and raised because I, I wasn't born in North Carolina, but I was raised in North Carolina. Oh, you're up the hood then, man. All I know is North Carolina, but what I was born, Fort Bragg, Fort Bragg, Texas, right? So, Oh, you're a bragger. Um, See, you're a bragger. Um, now we clean, got your number. Clean, <laughs> clean Texas. Is where I was born, but I was raised in North Carolina. Okay. And all I know is North Carolina. So, uh, um, originally from, uh, Hillsborough, North Carolina, just outside of Chapel yep. Hill. Yeah. Yeah. And kind of, you know, set my roots there. And then next Our thing Hill you know, mm-hmm. yep. Yep. Always been and always will be. And, uh, and then, you know, started, started my wrestling career. Mm-hmm. But when I, when I started wrestling, I started meeting great, great hunters and great people like, like myself. I, I knew nothing about hunting outside of my dad doing a little squirrel hunting and rabbit hunting. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and then it just kind of, it set a flame early in my age and just took off. And then, uh, you know, graduated from Orange High School in North Carolina and then went over to Lassen College in, in California, Susanville, California, Northern California. And, you know, of course, I wouldn't go hunt no big game there because it was too expensive, but I, I hunted a lot of small game there and set my foot in the door, just kind of like the Western aspect. That was like the foot in the door kind of thing. And then when I went back to North Carolina, I went back to uh, Pembroke, North Carolina, and went back for my junior year of, uh, of college. And then and shortly afterwards, I joined the Army and uh, I was chasing that Olympic dream, trying to make that Olympic team and, um, in wrestling, made mm-hmm. in wrestling. Yep. And, um, and then I, I made the world-class athlete program here in the army. And if you guys didn't know that I, I serve in, in the United States army, getting ready to retire. And, there you go. and, um, sure enough, uh, came to Colorado in 2005. And then I knew at that point, Elk hunting was going to be my, my, my why. Mm-hmm. That was my why. I love wrestling, 
And that's what I did all my life. But I was like, oh, my God, I get to chase these animals that I never got to chase before. And um, sure enough, it kind of brings me back to the circle of I've been been in Colorado since 2005, chasing elk since 2006. And uh, that that reels me right into where I am now. Yeah. And and fast forward, you know, here's a guy that's been elk hunting out of the Carolinas. It's so funny, man, because we compare our stories and it's kind of, there's a lot of similarities to that. Uh, the only difference is, is, um, I never got that, that stage bug, you know, that because it just wasn't something in my realm. I lived very rural here and, uh, and teaching and doing that thing. But for you, you got a bug and, uh, when would you say you first went into your first elk calling competition? How, what year was that? Um, it was, it was 2019 all rolled in, all rolled into one. So early in 2019, like the January timeframe. So, uh, let's, let's back up a little bit. 2018, everybody was like, bro, you, you sound so good. You sound amazing. I can't tell if you an elk or I was like, ah, stop tooting my horn, stop tooting my horn, stop doing all this. And uh, then 2019 came around and then uh, my buddy Pat was like, you need to enter competitions. I said, nope, not doing it. It's not my forte. I'm just not going to do it. And I know myself, ADHD, once I get my, my hands on something, I'm going all in. Mm-hmm. And, um, Sure enough, uh, 2019, January kind of 19, uh, there was a competition up in Colorado Springs and he was like, Hey, just wanted to call you and let you know I signed you up for this competition. <laughs> like, what? I was like, what? What are you talking about, man? Good friend. And, Good friend. And he said, uh, man, I just show up and do you. And, because because I just wanted to show up to the, the expo, I, I said, well, I, I'll go up there. We'll see what happens. And literally, I walked in there, and it was probably about, about 10 contestants, about 30 spectators. So I'm number one and number five. So I go twice. And this is my very first competition. We still have this on film. It's, it's actually hilarious. And uh go up there, and I, I, I competed. Did my best, sat down. My wife was like, "So the first, uh, so I had to go up number one." And when I went up number one, they were like, "Man, I think we signed up for the wrong competition. This guy's <laughs> way too good." And I was sitting back listening to this, you know, these 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 sounds behind me. I could hear it, and and my wife was like, "I think everybody's scared." <laughs> so. Everybody's, you know, going through the competition. I'm like, you know, I'm judging and critiquing. I'm like, yeah, he needs some help here. He needs some help here. And then number five comes up again. I go up there and I do my best rendition of me being in the woods. And um, sure enough, your number, your number one prize is, you know, number five caller. And I come up there and I'm like, holy smokes, that's me. You know, and, and, and it's, it's, it was fun, but it started a fire. Yeah. And I did. I didn't want my buddy Pat to do that. It started a fire because I'm a com- I'm a competitor. So then I went to Utah for the West the the regional. It was about 32 contestants. They started going through the callers, 
I, I was blown away. I was like, holy smokes, these, these dudes are good. They're great callers. I said, well, I, I'm going to do my best rendition of me being in the woods. That's what I'm going to do. I'm not, all right, I'm not going to tell no lie. I did it. And I think I was like number 20 something caller. Anyways, later that afternoon, they announced who was going to be in the finalist and they, they showed the, the scoreboards and stuff. And I looked at it and I said, 15th. I said, no. I was mad as fire. I was like, nope. I said, nope. I told my wife, I said, it's on. I said, they all losing now. I said, I, I, I said, if they show up at Worlds, I got them. I show up at World Championships. And my mission was, they had changed the rules a little bit compared to the following year. And right. it's head to head. Head to head. It's uh-huh. head to head. Right. And uh, I said, well, head to head. I th- I think I can get them now. We head to head. That's oh, I'm shaking my hands. That's like a wrestling match. Come on, baby. <laughs> and, and sure enough, I go up there, and this guy is good. I still got that bracket on my wall. I'm like, this guy's good. I think I beat him four to three. It was close. When I went into the tournament, all I went to do is take out two people. Two people. Because I felt like it didn't happen in that other tournament, that regional tournament. It, I needed to take out two people, and I was good. And then, boom, I went through the next one. I won like 6-1 or something. The very last one was 4-3. to three. Now, Don't quote me. I ain't looking at the bracket. And I, that dude was good. I was like, oh, I lost this one. I got off that stage. I said, oh, I lost this one. Sure. Your winner, Jermaine, you know, number whatever. And uh, I said, oh, my God, I won it. So then I went back, and I was thinking, man, maybe I should change it up a little bit on them. And the Deesmans came to the camper, and they were chilling out. We were having a few little little beverages, I should say, water in a can. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we we started talking. They were like, don't change nothing. Just be you. Just mm-hmm. You know, be the same person that you've been. And I said, okay, uh, I'm just going to stay the same. Didn't change, didn't change nothing at all. And um, sure enough, the semifinal match. And then I got on stage and I did what I could do for my best. And I walked away with a 4-3 victory over him. And I was like, all right, here we are in the finals. And I was not expecting this. Let me just... Let loose and be me. Right. And sure enough, at the very end, I won. Um, I won the final bout. I think. Uh, I think six to one. And that's a g- another good buddy of mine that I follow. He's in Washington, and and um, I tell you, man, I went through a field of hmm. these. These were gauntlets of these. These are great callers. You know, great callers. North Carolina boy comes out, comes in, first time competing and, you know, 2019 roll out like that, you know, and it, it came from all your experience in the woods, right? It came from all the practice that you put in to call in animals out there. And what an incredible achievement. Cause I remember when that happened, man, I was just so pumped. Cause I was like, yeah, man, it just, uh, 
it's it's always cool when you have those newcomers come up like that that came out of the woodworks and uh newcomer newcomer this dude was like underdog from nowhere buddy signed me up he's a freak a freak anomaly just hit the stage who is this dude and, and the cool thing is uh to see that the the tournament and the the judging works and 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 they're they're judging for the right things right and and looking for the right things too because uh, you know a lot of people like I would have thought, like, so, well, those tournaments, you know, they, they, they have their, their little ways that they like to hear the elk. It may not be realistic, but now when you hear a story like this, it just gives you get back that confidence of, wow, I mean, those tournaments are the real deal, man. I mean, and, and, and they do, um, you know, value, uh, the, the, the true sound of the animal and, uh, it, it, that's what prevailed. Uh, Realism uh, on on this story, right? Yeah. I mean, so that's just so cool to hear. I know, Jermaine. How much of how much of it played? Because you said you know the best. You said it twice. So I, you were about to say the third time you didn't. But the best rendition of "Me in the Woods," right? Sweet sounds are sweet sounds. But how much of it translated into the language and your understanding and ability to talk the language? Do you think that you know lend itself to those successes? on the stage well i think you know can you guys hear me yes sir yeah i yeah. think yeah. i think i think uh you know Lee, so we're talking about 2006 is when i started elk hunting and then 2019 is when i first stepped on the stage 13 years yeah that's that's huge that's a lot yeah. and there's a lot of experience in between there yeah. um but what i will tell you is this is the sounds that I've heard in the woods is what I tried to mimic when I was on the stage. And I tried to mimic those sounds to a T that I heard at my best rendition of those sounds. And that's what led me to be crowned in 2019. Which is, you know, it, it, what's really cool about this story right here is we do our Elk Rose mailbox every time, Jermaine. We have questions that come in. And mm -hmm. it's really cool that our first question, and, and I actually held it because I thought it was perfect for this night. Chav, do you, do you see the, the question from Jason Schultz there? By yeah. Chance? Yes, I do. This is from Jason Schultz in Salem, Connecticut. And he says, uh, hey, Elk Rose, Jason Schultz here. I'm heading down to Pennsylvania in the Energy Live for their Elk Expo. Also found out they have a calling contest. I know in your Elk Rose collection of guys, you have some real genuine champions. Champions. Is, <laughs> champions. <laughs> what is one tip or pointer you would have for me just jumping into this for the first time? Thank you, huh. If we have anybody, did you hear that, Jermaine? What tip would you have for somebody jumping into a elk calling competition for the first time? Um, num number one is... Uh, be confident in you and your ability, right? You can only do what you can do, right? So if you can only make this cow sound and only be able to do this cow sound, be confident in your ability to do that. Um, next is uh, practice, man. Uh, practice to be to be a little bit better, right? 
So here we are, you know, going into that competition. Practice, practice, practice. And then when you feel like you've, you've, you think you've conquered something, go conquer something else. Go conquer something else. But for somebody that might be in their first stage competition, just don't, don't be scared. Cause everybody, you know, you got a lot of judges out there, not just the judges that are judging you, but you have, you know, your spectators like, ooh, ah, that don't sound too good. You be <laughs> you and be true to you. And I promise you, you will be successful. Hopefully that answers that. Absolutely, man. And, uh, what we're going to do is we actually had two, we had two, um, questions here, but we're going to hold the, the next one for next time there. Well, y'all know what time it is. It's Shout time on. for the Elk Bros Shout. It's just followers in a few cities with the most listeners topping our charts this week, Joe. Yeah. And, and listen, guys, this is awesome, man. Um, first we're going to reward some reviewers for those folks that leave us a review on Apple podcasts, um, or give us a comment on YouTube channel and include, and this is important. They include their name and where they're from. We're placing their names on our Elk Bros spin a winner wheel and we're getting ready to spin a winner for a Wapiti River and signature Elk Bros diaphragm call. Now, before I pull up that spin a winner wheel here, on the next time we do this, we're going to have a special prize other than the two calls. Um, let Tell me, us what it is, Joe. Oh, I can. I think I know what it is. Let, let me show you what that <laughs> is. Starts with an Just S. In. Just oh, in. Oh, um, yes, man. I'm Look going to my this. mailbox tomorrow. The soloist. <laughs> I'll be standing at the mailbox for the next three days, brother. Yes, sir. And for wow. those people, for those people that um uh, are are listening to this, I'm holding up two packages that have been two years in the making. The Elk Bro Soloist Grunt Tube, and that's in the package right there. And this is the Elk Bro Soloist right here. You can see the flexibility wow. of it. The silicone uh, mouthpiece on it, uh, and it's got the Elk Bros camo. It's made so that it's going to be able to go behind us, so we can call. We keep on, uh, and I'll show you how to tie that string another time. And actually, I think I have one with it on here. So when we have this on here, when you're calling, you're calling here. You've got eyes on that animal. You got your bow up. You just let that drop, and I'm right in shooting. Same thing if I need to do something if I'm on the shoulder of somebody. So the idea of the soloist is just that. It's to be able to bring that animal in, to bring that critter in, in those closing yardages to be able to bring that animal so that instead of them hanging up out there with volume going towards them, or if you're stuck not having the ability to call towards them because of the type of grunt tube you have, this is so that you can bounce those calls back off behind you. I'm so pumped. I'm so excited. And get those reviews in. Tell us your name. Tell us where you're from because one of these is going to go to one of y'all, man. And I'm just, uh I can't tell you. Guys, Isn't an autographed version that's going out to yeah. that winner? You, you know what? I'm actually – so here's the thing on the calls that have come in is I had I had 90, 94 of them, and I'm going to cut that to 80 because 
Um, 14 of those are going to my Oak Bros crew and people like that. But uh, we got 80 that have been airshipped over to us with the rest of them um, due to come in in about 35 days. So I had these come in so that we could get these out there and so that people could have them if they want them for the hunting season. And uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know if people really want my signature on it, but this has been a long road and journey. Uh, so, um, I don't know if it's going to be the first 10 or first 20, but I'm putting my name on them, uh, on this as, as it goes out, man. I won't put it on the tube so you don't have to worry about it. I'll put it on something up here. So, <laughs> so you don't have to worry about yeah. that. But, uh, cool, guys, I'm, Joe. I'm real, yeah, real yeah. excited. What, uh, what an achievement, man. I know it's, for you, it's been a lot of a lot of work and and a lot of effort, a lot of iterations to get to where you wanted it. And uh, so, I mean, congrats. Who, who would have thought? You know, I mean, when I look back <laughs> at myself, you know, when I was that North Carolina boy, me and Jermaine back there, and I'm looking at the Carlton, Larry D. Jones, and you know, all of those guys. The fact that you know, I the. Already we have those Elk Grove signature calls that we get photos from people that have uh, taken animals with our calls and had so much success. And for them to have an Elk Bros grunt tube with that out there and and have and find success, uh, that you, you do not realize how cool that feels, man. So, yeah. Yep. So let's do this. Let's share the screen. And this is going to be for a Wapiti River and for an Elk Bros grinder. We got Timothy Welch of Albany, Oregon, Ty Brooks from Poet in Virginia, John Waldron out of Rawlings, Wyoming, Charlie Newberry, Henrietta, Texas, John Child out of Lake Utah, Keith Durr out of Aurora, uh, Chris Kelvey out of Meridian, Idaho, Nick Tant out of Edmond, Oklahoma, Eric Reed, Cincinnati, Ohio, Jason Schultz, Salem, Connecticut. We've got Rob Greer out of Wellesley, Ontario. Tom Roth out of Milton, Wisconsin. John Coyle, Riverton, Wyoming. Randy out of Santa Fe, New Mexico. Renee Sosa, also of the 505 out of Edgewood, New Mexico. Bob Allen out of Canton, Michigan. Robert Leguess out of Rochester, Indiana. Bill Steiger out of Grant Pass, Oregon. Aubrey Strickland, who had a question last week out of Amboy, Washington, and Richard Williamson out of Pike County, Kentucky. You guys ready? Man, you Let's are good it. at that. <laughs> I'm, I'm betting 25 cent Rob Gearwin. Here we go. Spin. I got 25 on it. And the winner is. Could it be? Could it be? Tip, tip, tip. Oh. Bill Steiger. <laughs> Congrats, you owe me 25 cents. I, I'll give you 25 cents this weekend, bro, when I see you. <laughs> I'll, I'll polish that quarter up for you, bro. <laughs> awesome, man. So, Bill, you got something coming your way next week. Uh, not next week. It'll That's be awesome. so, it's a month from now. It'll be uh, two podcasts away, and uh, we'll be doing that one, man. So. That's awesome. Uh, Get the, get those reviews in. And yeah, can I say I, something I on the tube real quick, Jojo? Yes, sir. Absolutely. You know, I was, I, so I listened to you and Huntsman today and I could hear it in your voice now and then I can, I can see it in you, right? And, and the boys will agree, right? You're being a little bit reserved about it and probably a little bit toned down. But man, uh, I, I 
speaking for myself, but I know Gil and Luis and Chav, even with Jermaine on here, man, we're proud of you. You saw that mm-hmm. thing through. Yeah. You and I had cuss, section, cuss sessions about how production goes on my end. And so, man, I just want to tell you, man, I'm, I'm super proud of that. I can't wait to have it under my arm blowing that thing this September, man. And anybody is lucky enough to get their hands on one of those, man. What an accomplishment, bro. Well said, guy. Agreed. Congrats. Yeah, brother. Congratulations. Yes, very, yeah, very much so. Congrats. You know, for, some, for somebody to have that is just, it's just an honor and it's humbling. You know, it really is. And, uh, uh, and, you know, there's going to be a lot of, People talk about, you know, grunt tubes and form factor and everything. And the goal of my tube is it's not the same goal as as a bat-style tube. You know, that one's a volume, getting it out there. Um, so it's kind of, you know, this one is one of those closer-type tubes that it's meant to um, get those animals in so that you can close that deal at those very close distances like that and, and even well, be able to steer them. So go ahead, Jermaine. Well, well, yeah, ask me that question a little later, and I'll, I'll... – I'll elaborate a little bit too. Yeah. Um, because I, I am, I'm familiar with a lot of different tubes and, uh, I love to elaborate on that. Just ask me that a little bit later. Yeah. The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. You betcha, man. So let's get uh, let's get these cities out of the way so we can get to the main content. Got Guy, it. you're up first. Uh, this top listening city was a village founded in 1846 and named after its namesake in Massachusetts. This area was settled by the nomadic bands of Sioux, Cherokee, and Iroquois. A must-stop pizza parlor, talking my language, uh, <laughs> the pigskin restaurant is a taste you don't want to miss. New Boston, Missouri. Boston, Missouri. <laughs> I was trying to guess the city. I was trying to guess the city. If you could outguess Gil, I'll give you $25 this weekend. I was in Oklahoma. I was in Oklahoma when you said it. Go ahead. You were in Oklahoma, huh? You had Oklahoma going on. This next top listening village was named 
after the postmaster of the now defunct Lake Superior and Mississippi Railroad. This home to Moose Lake State Park and Jay Cook State Park in Barnum, Minnesota. Barnum, Minnesota. You, you know, we were we were talking about license plates earlier, Jermaine, and we've yeah. already covered two of them. That we talked about. And that was one. That was one of them. <laughs> yeah, that was one of them right there. Well, I think we're about to cover the next. Because uh, <laughs> up next, this city is known as Arizona's West Coast and features 400 miles. That's right, 400 miles of coastline. The massive lake destination attracts over 750,000 visitors each year. The name comes from the Mojave Indian name for blue, Lake Havasu City. Arizona. In Arizona, who would think 400 miles of coastline in Arizona? It's a lot. Oh, yeah. 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 Havasu's huge, man. It's a big one. Okay, okay, Gil, have, have, you, have you been there, Gil? I have, yeah. Come on, man. I, listen, I've been to a lot of places. I've definitely been – I haven't been there. Yo, Beto it just had been everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, he just yeah. haven't been places where Beto hasn't been. Yeah, that that song, <laughs> the song is his. I've been everywhere, man. Yeah. <laughs> and if y'all look him up on MLF Fishing, his name is Dean Rojas. Uh, I've known Dean for a long time. Fished with him up in Toledo Bend quite a bit. He's from Lake Havasu City, Arizona, and uh, that's where Dean and a lot of those Western pros cut their teeth there on uh, Lake Havasu. Yeah. Oh, wow. And and this this last city for tonight, man, really was cool and blew my mind. All right, this last uh, city is uh, on the Caribbean coastline, off the Yucatan Peninsula, and it's known for its turquoise, turquoise, turquoise. beaches <laughs> and preserved ruins of an ancient Mayan Mayan port city. This is Mexico's third third most visited spot in Tulum. In Quint- Quintana Roo, Mexico. Quintana Roo. Quintana Roo. Yeah. That's a trip, man. That's a hell of a destination, Quintana Roo. Yes. Uh, I'm so proud of you, man. You said turquoise. You know, you struggle with It's so funny. You struggle with turquoise. You got beaches great. <laughs> yeah, I know, man, because it's, it's just that focus, right? I mean, I was focused on that word, but then, you know, so I wouldn't mess it up. And this one caught me off guard. I was like. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for the solid guy. I appreciate it, man. You yeah, jumped anytime, right in, man. Brother. You got me anytime, covered, brother. my brother. <laughs> That's awesome, man. All right, main content, y'all. Let's get to it. Um, our Elk Bros calling Geminar series, man. Um, it's all about how to practice and improve your elk calling. And, you know, we're always telling people to improve their elk calling skill set, but the goal of this show is to make sure people know how to do that. And, you know, uh, last week was Tony. This week is Jermaine. And Jermaine, uh, man, uh, we're really looking to pick your brain. I know I cut you off earlier when you were talking about getting ready, you know, for that, because I think a lot of that's going to fall in place right here, man. So um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to cue you up with this, is that now I want you to look back at when you first started that elk calling journey. You know, you've been in the military, you're in Colorado. How did your military, your athletic competitiveness and your coaching background, how did that play in to your calling practice approach and goals? And what I'm looking for here, man, is 
by you talking about your type of structure that you had and, and what you look towards, it could actually help other people in developing that type of structure as well. First, I got to tell you that uh, I grew up a military brat, and my dad was very, very, very structured. And uh, you ain't do things his way, you can't get the wrath. And uh, which, you know, I instill in my kids nowadays. And uh, But that, that carried on towards wrestling, too. And wrestling kind of honed that in to be disciplined, practice, and reap what you sow, right? If you didn't do what you were supposed to be doing, you wasn't going to get the results that you, you needed. And um, leading into, like, you know, my first my first year in Colorado of, of elk hunting, it was more so of, okay, you don't know Jack. What do you need to do to get to where you need to be to make sure that you're successful? And it was just beating it in the head, beating it in the head. And I really didn't know a lot about calling elk. I watched it on TV and, and, and DVDs and stuff. But I didn't know anything about it. Now, we're going to fast forward because we're going to get back on topic of kind of dialing into that practice stage of of putting it on stage in, in 2019 when I won the world championships. Now, is, before you do, though, Jermaine, I, I, I want to get a point out because you, you, you talked about that that early on. And I want to know from you. You know, starting in 2006, going to, you know, now, how important percentage-wise has your calling ability been to your success over the years? For for me, it's a 90-10, a 90-10. And I, I say a 90-10, and I, you know, I'm, I'm just throwing numbers out there, but I think a 90-10, a 90 being my calling percentage a 10 being my physical, my physical, no, excuse me, 5% being my physical. And uh, the other five is my mental ability to be able to, to, to grind through it. Um, now, you can skew the numbers how you want to. Sure. Absolutely. You, you can skew the numbers how you want to, but uh, 90% was calling. But back in 2006, it wasn't like that. Right. It was 90%. Of my physical ability. Yeah. Yes, exactly, guy. It was 90% of my physical ability and then 5% of my my calling ability and the rest of it falls in play, right? Mm-hmm. But I, I will tell you this. is it, This is what I teach. Don't let me skew off what you ask because I will. I'll go down many rabbit holes. <laughs> There's four lines. There's four lines. And I, I, I live by these lines. And it's like an EKG, and all of them have to be in rhythm. Whether it's your calling ability, your physical ability, your mental ability, and, and so on, right? They have to be in sync. And if they're not in sync and you have one that's down here, your EKG, your heart rhythm is off sync. Now, what I will tell you back in 2006 is I was way off sync. I was way off sync. But my abilities on one half 
helped me sink in the other half. If that's making sense to you guys. No, it absolutely makes sense. You had to work harder instead of smarter in a sense, right? Because you had to right. make up for one skill set with other skill sets. Right. Yeah. Right. So my calling ability was not that good. My physical ability was great. And I could run up and down them damn mountains. I'm not running up and down the mountains now. Don't ask me to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Your main I'm going to walk up I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I apologize. What, would you say that w- with that, right, is you have to have a certain level of honesty with yourself in each of those four lines, right? Because if that honesty with yourself is off, your 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 rhythm on the EKG is out of whack, right? You got a, yes. a arrhythmia or a murmur or something going on <laughs> with it, right? So you so you have to be yeah, you have to really be honest about your physical physical ability, your ability to call, your ability to understand the language, um, the mental thing. I don't. That's in the moment, right? Because some people can make it so far and they break and it throws the rhythm off. But I think it's a it's a level of honesty and then you know tempering. Um, the expectation too. Would you agree with that? No, no. Yeah, absolutely, guy. Listen, you have to be honest in all those categories and what you're what what you're capable of and what you're you're not capable of. Because you, let's say a guide, for example, a guide takes in a client and he does not know anything about this client, and this client comes to him and says, "Hey, you know." I'm 290, 280 pounds, and I cannot hike these mountains like you when you're 145 pounds, and I know you do this on a daily basis. So I'm able to get up those mountains at this pace, and you have to be honest with yourself. So when you can be honest with yourself in each of those categories – you're you're in the stepping stone of in the right direction. You just have to be honest with yourself in all those directions. It's and we're not talking about fitness. We're just talking about the categories of your EKG because let, let, I didn't go back and you know my profession by trade is in medical field, and I use that EKG to be honest with myself. Listen, if my heart's not bumping right or not pumping right, then dude, I'm. I'm, I'm going to be out of sync. It's the same way as if I'm in the mountains. My calling, my, my mental ability, my physical ability, all this stuff has to be in sync. And when it's in sync, dude, I can run up and down those mountains. I could do this stuff. I can call in these up. But if one of those are off sync, then I'm going to have trouble. And you have to be honest with yourself, guy. You have to be honest with yourself in that category to make sure that the other categories make up for that. Compensate with the others. Yeah. I mean, it compensate. I, uh, yeah. absolutely. I think, I think what you're saying is, 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 is brilliant in the way you're putting it because, uh, I, I agree. I mean, I think the honesty comes into play first, as you're mentioning, because then you can identify where your weak points are. And then one, you have to work on those weak points. And then two, you have to learn how much you can how far you can get on that weak point and then how much you need to compensate with the other skill sets. So what, no what bri- I, brilliantly put together, man. I appreciate that comment for sure. What what I end up seeing a lot of people do is a lot of people have fear about failing physically. They have fear about failing mentally. They have fear about 
um, ending up not having the right gear or they have fe- they have these fears to ensure that they try to cover all those areas and they try to co- cover it through logistics and practice and shooting and all of these different things. But the one area that I see people don't have the fear of because it's not something that is going to cost them physically. It's not something that's going to cost them um, a, a loss of getting injured or uh, wounding an animal. You know, they have those fears of those other areas. But in calling, if they don't work their calling, you know, it, it doesn't have that same fear factor. But oh, it does. What's that? I'm sorry. It does. <laughs> it does, man. I, I was afraid to start calling. Well, okay. I was. But, but see, well, I, but that's a different kind of fear. What I'm talking about is the fear of not being successful or the fear of being frustrated or the fear of failure because they don't work their calling. There's not enough of that. They're, they're too dependent on those other things going out there instead of working the one area. I see. I, I, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. Yes. I, I get what you're saying. You don't think, in other words, you don't think the calling uh, skill is that important. So you don't, you're not afraid of, of, of not being successful because of your lack of calling skills. I, I, I think it, it just doesn't. It's no, no different than when you're learning a different language, Luis. You've been through this English. If we go to Mexico, supposed to speak Spanish, we feel inferior speaking that language because we don't have the dialect down. We don't understand how to pronounce all the words right. So it's it when you're around a bunch of really good elk callers and you're starting out learning, it's it's almost embarrassing to start and try. Same way with when we go to Mexico, we try to speak Spanish. We're a little embarrassed to even open our mouths because we don't really know what how to pronounce things. We don't know the dialect. So well, I get where Luis is coming from. You almost embarrassed to even start right around anybody that's good. Cause then you, you come under that scrutiny, right? But, but taking that point that yeah. you're making, taking that point you're making as a bow hunter, I can go be around other bow hunters and never have to speak, but they're going to see my gear. They're definitely going to see me shoot at some point or another. So I better get, do you follow me? It's like I can hide my skill set in calling. No. You You don't think so? No, because you can't hide it from the mountain. That's the one. I I get that, but what I'm talking about is. Right? It exposes. I don't care what Jermaine thinks about me, what you think about me on the mountain. The mountain exposes (laughs) it. So you're going to be exposed to your weak points, whether you hide them or not. And if we realize that, you know what? Elk hunting is Freaking failure! You're gonna fail. <laughs> what I'm saying. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, guys. Hold on, hold on. Listen, when you're out west and you're out hunting for the first time, you might think that your EKG is in line, and then you get out here, you start fucking hiking. Excuse my language. You start hiking these lord these Ain't mountains. No- and I promise you, these hills will humble you, number one. Number two, you think your calling ability is good, and then Joe Smo is over the hill, and he sounds good. <laughs> he sounds good. And then you get called in by another hunter, and then you're like, oh, man, my EKG rhythm is like this. <laughs> my stuff is like this. My heart's beating. I can't reach. 
altitude is getting me. It's hey, what 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 I'm saying. Let's reel us all back in. What I'm saying is this: is do your best that you can in all those levels, and learn as you go. Yeah, I, my point was people don't work at their calling like they work at everything else. I agree, and, and it's and the I, most I, important. Joe, do you think? And and you know where I, I'm asking a rhetorical question in my head, right? But I think it's how calling has been presented for so many years, and it's not the 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 fault of the folks that are looking at these you know educational pieces, YouTube videos, things like that. It's how it's been presented. So right. if we're preaching, and I'm just generalizing with the we thing, ridge bugle, ridge bugle, ridge bugle. That's I I don't know that they understand the necessity up until recent history of the importance of getting into the dialect, as Gil said, right? And honing in that EKG and that level of honesty. I mean, I get what you're saying, but going back to the honesty part of it, right? If all you can do is bugle and that's all you've seen anybody do on a YouTube video, it's the only thing that you're going to do. Are they really hiding the lack of ability? Because the mountain's going to expose every bit of it. I think it's just Absolutely. we don't, we're not taught to or we're not looking at the right things for the education i should say in what we should be doing on the mountain because it's easy to turn on youtube and see jermaine buzzing off a ridge and then think the only thing that they have to do go on the mountain to be successful like jermaine is buzz off that ridge and it's the sweetest buzz on on the western slope <laughs> right i mean it's like you you described it as chocolate Right, but I think that's a lot of what happens. So I don't know that they're masking or hiding. They I think they just don't have the freaking information most of the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah that, I think that's part of it. But I think, and and that's where we are with this. So instead of talking about the 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 cause of it, what we're here to do is we're to change that and to tell them what they need right. to practice and how they need to practice. Right? Okay. Yeah. Right. And and you had at some point you had to do that, Jermaine. And so what were what was your practice approach and your practice goals? Okay, so kind of real back into like 2019 when I I got my butt whooped in at, at regionals, and I came back home and I was serious. And um, I told my wife, I said, "Ain't nobody, ain't nobody gonna whoop me like that." And I know it's subjective, but I, I'm a competitor. I'm a competitor by nature. And sure enough, I went through like a week, uh, a month, month and a half, excuse me, I, I mean, say week, month, month and a half of just straight drilling and, and blowing through reads. And, uh, I said, if they beat me, they deserve this. And I went through all of my sequences and then mastering all these sequences. And to believe it, believe this or not, 2019, I had no clue how to blow an estrus buzz, estrus wine or anything. I've heard it in the woods. I had no clue. And then... I just got behind the diaphragm and just kept going and kept going and kept going. And, and, and that derives from my mentality of being the best 
at whatever I can be at. And, and then next thing you know, I was trying to master all that stuff. And then when I went to world championships, I said, Hey, it is what it is. They want to hear this. I'm going to give it to them. And I gave it at my best. And I made sure that EKG was moving, moving smooth, as smooth as I could make it move so that the judges could judge me at their best. So I spent countless of hours. I mean, every day when I got home, when I woke up in the morning and everybody was awake, I was blowing that horn. And then okay. when I went to so you woke up, instead of just saying I was blowing that horn, what were you blowing, how and why and how much? So in the morning, I would start off with cow sounds and nothing but cow sounds. And then I would leave that evening and I'd go to work and then I'd come back. And I wouldn't take anything to work with me because I know I'm, I'm off the chain. I'd be at work. I'd be going nuts. I would be going nuts. And then I'd come home and I'd drive my wife crazy. And I'd, I'd blow my bugle tube. And I'd be trying to practice the bull sounds. So morning sounds were cow sounds. Bull sounds were evening sounds. And I was, okay. so, and so I was just going. Let's break those up. Hey, were you? So we take the cow sounds. What were those cow sounds? And what, when you were practicing it, you know, because was it just, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, could you do that, or what was your focus, and what were you looking for in those cow sounds? Yeah. I was already. I I was. Go ahead. No, I, I was. I was kind of gonna tag along on that same question because, you know, it was like, what, what were you trying to achieve? Is this? A, is there a specific yeah, sound that you wanted to get to? Is this something that you wanted to repeat? Is it? I mean. If you're making that sound so often and so much, but what exactly were you looking for? Is that something specific or is it just training one specific sound? I mean, how? Yeah, did Perfection. you have a report into? Perfection. Listen, and I say this, and everybody's going to say this, is perfection. I was looking for that sound to sound identical to these cows and these calves. In the morning, like I said, cow and calf sounds. I wanted it to sound identical to these cow and calf sounds, stuff that I heard in the woods or on videos of these cows there, and calves. There, you go. there we go. Bingo. I got I have to mimic these 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 sounds and real stuff. Yeah. yeah, real stuff. Real stuff. Yeah. And then when I came back in the afternoon and I felt like, yo, I've mastered that call, I would come in and try to do a bull sound. And those bull sounds are a lot different than those cow sounds, but they all derive off the same yeah. same thing. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. But But here's the thing, okay? Monday, you're after perfection. And you felt like you mastered that that sound. Well, on Tuesday, 
you're back doing those sounds again, even though you felt like you're already mastering them? Or are you looking for something else? Are you altering? Are you changing length? Are you trying to add any kind of uh, emotion? It, you, you get me, Jermaine? How did how yeah. did you make the changes as you moved along? Not yet. Not yet. Listen, when 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 I was wrestling, I it, back in high school, I I I reflect, reflect back in high school. I was pretty good. I was pretty fast, and I had a coach tell me you need to hit a hundred D's a day. And I was like, a hundred D's yeah. a day it didn't make no damn. It didn't make no sense to me. Hundred D's a day, hundred high crosses a day, like. Why am I hitting a hundred crosses, high crosses a day? That just doesn't mean sense to me. And then it clicked, it clicked to me later. If I hit them a hundred times a day, it becomes repetition. It becomes muscle memory. memory. You own it. I, yeah. I own it. I own it. Like yeah. I'm not going to forget it. So then when I, when I hit it a hundred times a day, then it becomes muscle memory. So making a cow sound will not be anything that I'm not familiar with. I just hit it, right? right? And then when I'm trying to master these other sounds, then I got to hit those 100 times a day until it becomes muscle memory. So I did this stuff relentlessly. Now, remember, I'm telling you, a month and a half, I was just, bam, I was just nailing down, nailing down calls. Until it became muscle memory. So that when they asked me, they asked me to hit an estrus buzz. Mm-hmm. It was muscle memory. It was muscle memory. I already knew it. So practicing these calls be- became muscle memory. Is like, okay, just hit it. Boom. I got it. Did you have a so, list of the different types of calls um, that you were kind of working your way down through um, and then you, you know, hit one specific, like every, you probably already covered this, but I mean, as far as all the potentially different types of calls, both on bulls and cows, I mean, I'm sure there's, I don't know how many, how many were you practicing? Oh man, 10 to 15 different calls, 10 to 15. 10 to 15 different calls. And then, and then did you ever get to a point where, you know, your diaphragm is all, is given up, right? I mean, you're wearing it out. I mean, did you, you know, how many diaphragms were you going through? And then, you know, was it too, was it really hard to kind of break them in to just get go back get to, yeah. I just go get them. <laughs> it's just, it's just it does, I mean, I'm just thinking in terms of like, man, I bet you got to a point where you, you know, it, it didn't take you long to break them in, but it didn't, it, you immediately recognized when it was past its life and then you had to get another one, right? I mean, is that Absolutely. the case? Absolutely. Find them in the washing machine, pocket. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, I, I think once you start running, uh, once you start running a call and you really know how to run them really well from doing everything, a lot of guys recognize the fact that, okay, if I grab this thick latex, I might be screaming on this for a little bit, but I ain't going to throw a cow call out on it. Not till 
you know, it gets to a point where I like it, or I'm going to use something with a different stretch, or I have that kind of control that I can do it. I mean, there's some guys can throw in any latex in their mouth and be able to get the sound that they want out of it because they run it so much, right? Um, there's high-pressure guys. There's high-air guys. There's guys that are lower pressure. You know, and, and that's one thing about Jermaine. Like, when Jermaine does a bugle, in fact, Jermaine, Give us one of your. Go ahead and give us a, a, a one of your bugles. Give us a nice location. Yeah, You're out in the morning. Absolutely. Location bugle sounds like this. Yeah. Which is extremely different, and, and you compare his location bugle to mine, right? I mean. He has a different style than what I do. You know, he's very, very smooth, melodic when he does it. And some, it's kind of like, I don't know if you were to compare French to German. <laughs> you know, he got German mm. just like, you yeah. know, oh, je ah. you know, and then you got German, <laughs> you know, it's like you have those people that are real harsh and people are real smooth, just different kind of voices like that. So he handles his diaphragm a little different than a lot of people do as well. But you know what, though, I did notice some of the things that you talk about too, Joe, is that, um, you know, you you like starting out on that high p- pitch and you hold that high pitch because that's really what travels and that's really what's being kind of heard out there as opposed to just to starting from the low to the top. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, I, I, I noticed some similarity there and he held that high pitch note. He even took it a step higher and then just, you know, slowly brought it down to give that smoothness of a location view. So pretty cool. Uh, well, well, a lot of times I, I, my personal experience is that is when you have a higher pitch sound, you'll get more bulls to answer versus that lower pitch sound. So, um, honestly, like some of like, like the, why do you the think that is, Jermaine? Why do you think that is? I, I don't know if it's an ear piercing thing, but I, me personally, Looking from the outside, I'm not a biologist, I'm not a speechologist, mm-hmm. you know, but I could tell you that if somebody was yelling at me and says, hey, listen, <laughs> then you're probably going to turn your head, right? So when you hit that high pitch sound, it pierces some of that thick timber that you can't possibly, you, you, like that sound dentining wood. And when you pierce it, you're saying, where are you? Where are you at? And then all of a sudden you res- you get a response. You get a response out of something that did not even want to talk. They didn't want to talk. But you made them talk because of one little damn thing, and that was you pierced their ears to the point where they turned their head and they said, hey, I'm over here. <laughs> And they may not, they may not go with a crazy bugle. They may just be like, ooh. Or, or it also That's may be listen. because of the higher pitch is traveling, traveling further right. out. And now you're Absolutely. reaching something that you probably wouldn't with lower pitches too. Yeah. Absolutely. So yeah. anytime, anytime that I'm, I'm throwing out my location bugles, it's high pitch, throw it out there. Let's see what answers. 
Yeah, yeah you're exactly right. So a lot of time, so, I'll just go to a single note, high pitch, and then just come, because I actually think the drop off with the, you know, and I'm not talking about a growling, but just a, oh, because there's been a lot of times that it's been either the high pitch or that oh that I've picked super up. Super low pitch. Here. Yeah, yeah. Yep. That bottom. So we were kind of talking about you know you leading up to you know competition season. But what about, you know, now what's your approach and what's your practice regimen? Because there is a level of perishability in that, even with the muscle memory, right? If you're not doing a certain call. So what does that look like, you know, going from competition and just to, you know, getting prepped up for elk season at this point? Grinders tuning in. Thank you for listening to the Blue Collar Elk Hunting Podcast. Our goal is to share our knowledge and help you flatten that learning curve so that you too can have some of the very same incredible experiences that have given all of us here at Elk Bros a lifetime of memories. If you like what you hear or see, you can get all of this information plus so much more from our Base Camp Elk Hunting Training Camp, the first in a series of online courses from our Blue Collar Elk Academy. Our Base Camp Training Camp allows me to use my coaching style and share almost 40 years of elk hunting experiences successfully hunting elk on public lands as well as over 20 years guiding hunters of all ages and experience levels. This course will be like nothing you have ever experienced in concept and structure using success-based coaching techniques that will elevate your confidence and skill sets. Our camp will prepare you specifically from that final moment most in your control, those final minutes or seconds the elk is in front of you, backwards through each step and level, allowing you to see visualize, understand, and relate every coaching point to what lies ahead, the next step, the next thought process, the next success. Because, y'all, you've already been there. You know what it looks like. By tapping my 30 years of teaching and coaching experience, our camps are developed considering multiple learning modes with text, visuals, audio, as well as video. And Base Camp will benefit those new to elk hunting all the way to the 10 to 15 year vet so if you are looking for that one thing to help you fill that tag this year invest in the most important piece of equipment there is you and your elk hunting knowledge you can find the blue collar elk hunting academy and the base camp training camp at elkbros.com that's e-l-k-b-r-o-s.com keep dreaming of the screaming believing and achieving and most of all Keep grinding. Well, guy, I, I I could tell you right now, I'm not in competition mode by no means, and uh, but I am in hunting mode. And uh, shit, before uh, I even got on the phone today, um, I was tying in a new peep site for myself and and uh, working on my bow stuff because. I think, like I said, that EKG, I gotta have my, my, my strategy right, right? And, um, I woke up this morning. I usually wake up, usually right around five. Usually right around five when, it's, when the kids are going to school, I'm up at five. And, um, I know that I cannot change my resume, regiment. And I got up this morning, 5.30. Disappeared from the bed. My wife was probably like, where the fuck did he go? You know, he's, he disappeared. I'm out in the backyard <laughs> shooting. 
at 5.30 in the morning. Yes, sir. Because I'm trying to perfect my perfection. And I know I got a new, I got a new uh, bow string on my bow. I just put it on and everything's dialed in and I'm out there just getting reps, getting reps. Back to your question is nowadays, nowadays for my calling, it's just fine tuning things because I feel like my abilities are already there. It's just making sure that maintaining. I yeah, maintaining. I ain't squeaking on some notes. I'm like, oh, that read ain't good. You know, get rid of that read. And I'm maintaining this level and I'm going to, I'm going to succeed with this level. Now on stage, for stage stuff, I got to go through numbers of reads and make sure they're as clean as possible because we're not just talking about the elk's ears. We're talking about the judge's ears and they hear a lot different. And now if you have a deviation and what, what I mean by deviation, let me, let me throw this off real quick. You can hear that deviation. I did that on purpose is if there's a deviation on stage, you're not going to do well. Now in the woods, they don't care. Those elk could be like, yeah, I was going to say, elk. I don't know that I noticed a deviation. That's, that's a, <laughs> yeah, but, but you're care. talking, you're talking about how we scrutinize ourselves yeah, yeah. right in Jermaine. Yes. I know Jermaine and Jermaine's not a dude that is, it's like you and building your arrows, Luis. You're, you're always searching for perfection, right? And, and I wanted, I really wanted people to hear that Jermaine is still working on his calls, even though it's not competition season. Cause I, the man is a, if he goes, gets his external diaphragms and you see this lanyard of external diaphragms <laughs> and you know, he's walking around the house. <laughs> I mean, then it really reels it in. Right. So it's important for folks to understand that, Hey, this guy is a world-class caller, but his, his reps are a daily habitual thing that he does not slack on, um, in, you know, in his calling and his calling ability, even with the muscle memory stuff. But Jermaine, you brought something else to the, to the table with it. So how do the calls and diaphragms, grunt tubes, externals, um, how important are those considerations if they're important at all? And then how do you select your reads? Um, yes. and then what, you know, what kind of juggle and journey as you went through, you know, all the different calls? Cause Joe, look, Joe gives me guff all the time, but I know we're one of the same. <laughs> <laughs> so how did that journey look for you? Um, it, it went, I went through a journey. Actually, let me start from the very beginning. Uh, I went through like, uh, Wayne Carlton's calls and trying to perfect those and those didn't work for me. And then, uh, to be honest with you, you, you all listeners, um, I was not a, a very good diaphragm caller at the very beginning. My wife said, I'm right. <laughs> I, I heard her. I heard her in the background. Yep. But what I did, what what I was good at, what I was good at is my open reads. And I was very good at these. I don't know why I never hunted ducks. Mm. At the, but 
I was very good at this. And what I did is I, I, I thought I perfected a cow sound with my diaphragms, right? Just a, just a simple. When I perfected that sound, I finished them with my, my open reads. Oh, that's a cow in heat. I'm going to go on over there and check her out. And that's how I finished a lot of my bulls during my early seasons. But I'm going to tell you right now that you, even if you don't know how to use a diaphragm, you could perfect cow sounds with these open reads. Easy. And that, that was money for me. Um, so going back and circling back, man, you know, a lot of this stuff is just, just reps and reps and reps and reps guy. I mean, you know, I, I, I could tell you right now, um, I forget the book. I, I listened to it. It was an audible and, um, it was talking about, um, the countless of hours that, an individual has to do ten thousand. Yes, yes, yeah, ten thousand hours. Ten thousand yeah. hours. Ten thousand yeah. hours. And and I preach this stuff because you know what? I spent. I spent so many hours. Not even. I'm not even talking about. I'm. I'm talking about wrestling. So many hours of perfecting my skills, but then. I was behind. The book called to... Outlier. Outliers. Outliers. That's Outliers. That's what it is. Good and book. and 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 I, it was an audible, and I would listen to the work back and forth to work, and, and it was a great book because it, it just preached about you know the the people that had the opportunities and people that didn't have the opportunities. So the ones that that were sitting on the east coast or sitting on the far west coast that didn't have the opportunities. Or sitting far, far north or far east, you know, it's just crazy. But the, the point being, the point being is if, if, if you put yourself in a situation where you're going to advance above everybody else and you're going to put into practice and in the countless of hours, you're going to excel faster than everybody else. It doesn't. It does not. It does not change outside everyday's life. So here's right? the thing. Here's the thing that I'm trying to get out of this that I'm that I keep trying to suck out from the different people oh, yeah. I'm working with. Jermaine is that. So yeah, you talk about ten thousand hours, but you could take that ten thousand hours. It's kind of like a basketball player. I could take a kid and throw him a basketball, and in ten thousand hours, he's going to develop a skill set. But I can also take a kid. And give him a coach in a basketball, and in ten thousand hours, he's going to surpass that other kid that had no direction or any goals or any type of roadmap to or passion behind it. Yeah. So, like when you talk about, you know, you just put in all those hours doing stuff. Okay. Again, everybody a basketball. So what I'm trying to do is, is I'm trying to give them a little bit of a roadmap. 
and if you could help them develop that roadmap. I know you've had to, it, it's so easy when we do it ourselves, we don't really think about it. We take things for granted. But like when you're doing things, what is your core warm up? What are those basic drills? And then what kind of progression do you go from there? So in other words, to help somebody else to have a roadmap so they can level up through practice. What would you say is and then what did, how do you know? Because look, we can do practice all day long, but if it ain't good practice and proper practice, it's not gonna help us, right? So practice the, the, the practice thing. that you're doing right. Are you qualifying your practice by listening to are you taping yourself and re listening to it? Uh, are you doing those kinds of things to help you get better, right? Um, do you, do you, do you tape yourself and then listen to it back and then put it up against some wild elk sounds? Those are, that's the kind of juice that we're looking for, Jermaine. So, so, but hold on to that and let, let's, let's, I want to go first on talking about that roadmap of what are those core warm up? What are those basic drills and what should somebody's progression be? Um, so, so let's let's yeah let's tackle a couple of things at the okay. same time. So honestly, you know, I told y'all I said, you know, cow sounds in the morning, bull sounds in the evening, because I felt like I was kind of merging them both together. Um, let's let's reel this back and I <laughs> let's let's reel this back because. I watched videos and videos and videos. And, and, and you know, uh, last episode, y'all had Tony, and he was saying some of the same things that I'm about to say. I watched every DVD, every DVD you could possibly have. I still have them to date. Still have them to date. They have a lot of scratches on them because I carry my trucks and I threw them in my trucks because my truck had a DVD player, right? And I was just listening to these bulls, whether it was primos hunting on, on public, I mean, private land, it didn't matter. I was listening to these elk. And when I was listening to these elk, I was trying to mimic everything that these elk, I hadn't, I didn't care. I didn't care once that what sounds they were making, I was making the sounds that the elk were making. Yep. And I was trying to perfect those sounds, not the sounds that, you know, some of the guys that, that hunted with primos back in the day. I didn't care about their sounds. I cared about, because it was all about selling calls for them. So they were just, you know, blowing calls. I was listening to the elk and what they were saying and when they were saying it. And, I was paying attention to all this stuff. Now, it didn't dawn on me later that, wow, some of these sounds were said at this certain point. And then I started kind of honing my skills into that. What I was trying to do is speak the language on a primos standpoint. Not trying to sell primos, but primos standpoint. Speak the language. They were selling the truth. Yeah. The truth is, is you have to speak the language first. So whether you speak it, whether you speak in, you, you're, you're speaking English and, and Splinglish, it's starting to merge here. You're starting to speak the English. And then when you speak that language, dude, you're going to be in the money 
in and out every year. Every year. Now, once I honed in on, hold on, this means this, let me speak this, and then I started dialing in on that. Yeah, buddy. So hopefully I'm I'm dialing in on you, Joe, uh, on what you, you're you looking for here. Well, so I think the hardest thing for us is is like, and for people that are listening, I know people are listening <laughs> and they're going, okay, he practices cow calls, but they don't know what cow calls are practicing. Or you say, um, I was speaking the language because this meant that. People out there are wanting to hear what did that sound like and what did it mean? Or what cow call are you, what is your, your, you get up and what's the sound that you're making? And is it that one sound? If it's that one sound, you're doing it a hundred thousand times. That's great. But that cow call sounds different from that calf call, right? And then your buzz sounds different than your mew. And so I think that's what it is, is like when you just start, calling if we were to give people that are trying to create or have a roadmap of how to practice it's like you and when you show up and your athletes show up for wrestling practice as soon as they get there they have a warm-up drill that they're doing right Mm -hmm. okay from that warm-up drill then they're going to another whether it's an escape whether it's offense whether it's defense or anything like that we could break that down into cal and bull it's just different thing and they're practicing a move or a type of call. What is that core move that you feel every wrestler has to have or every elk caller has to have? And then at okay. that point, then you can go to something else. That's, that's kind of where I'm going with it. No, yeah, perfect. Um, so when, when I'm, when I'm coaching, we break everything down to basics right. and the ba- the basics, the basics is, is that Every every cow and bull sound derives off a cow sound. Okay, if that makes sense. Yeah, it all derives off a cow sound. Absolutely. So, so if you can make a calf sound, then you master that, and then you make a cow sound. So calf goes in the cow, and then cow goes in the bull. Show us how, Jeremy. Can you show us how? Yes. Yeah, so listen, when when I'm teaching, you know, individuals to the to, to master like from the beginning to the end is the basics are gonna kill every year. That means cow calves, cow calves and basic bull sounds. Cow calves, basic bull sounds. So calf sounds, cow sounds, location bugle. You're going to kill a bull every year, or you're going to be in an elk every year. Every year. Does not matter. As long as you in in an area that is, you know, is elk there. You know, I can't tell you that. If it's not no elk there, then move. Right? <laughs> right. right. <laughs> don't, don't, don't hunt ghosts. Don't hunt ghosts. So, so when I tell them to do something to, to, to master these sounds, it could be as simple as an open read or a diaphragm, right? I got a green read right now, and I can do the rest of them. But 
an open read. If 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 you can't master the diaphragm, then an open read is just fine. So calf sounds. I could tell you right now, the most sounds you're probably going to hear in the woods, if there's calves around, is calves. Yeah. If you if you see if you hear cat if you if you have cows around, the calves sound off way more than the cows, right? Then then you'll have a calf and cow communication, and it sounds something like this. That's big mom talking to little mom, right? Or calf talking to mom and mom talking to calf, right? And if you could, if if you could do those, primarily, I'm just throwing out a number. You're gonna be successful in the woods, ninety percent of the time. You're gonna be in the elk. You're gonna be in the elk, in or you're gonna kill it. Now, if you throw a location bugle into it, all all a, a location bugle is is a elongated cow sound. That's all it is. So let me take this diaphragm right here. This is one of the green amps. Let me take this diaphragm. I'm gonna show y'all. Listen to this. This is a cow sound elongated. And I dropped it off at the end. But hold on. Listen to this. That's a cow sound. So now elongate that, and then you have a bull sound. Cow sound. Bull sound. I dropped it off at the end. Now I amplified that with a tube. Now I got a location bugle. Cow sound through the tube. Elongated cow sound. Drop it off at the end. Everything derives off a of cow sound. So if you if you are not practicing your cow sounds, you're wrong. Everything derives off a of cow sound. Well, that's that one thing yeah. that um that we talked about early. When you have a anomaly in the bull sounds, you can get away with that. You can't on stage, but if you are messing up on cow sounds out there, you had better be good at covering it with a better cow sound because they they pick up on the last thing you hear mm-hmm. because cow sounds will get you busted if you're if you're messing right. up on those right right they will they will eat you up and the the easiest sound to to do in the woods is a calf sound so if you can mimic that calf sound which is just you know just light light cow
honestly, uh, if you have a calf in the area of an area that you're in and you hear, you know, you hear sounds of elk, most of the time, if you have a calf, they're the loudest, they're the loudest ones out there. And they, they are so vocal. So if you get them started, they don't shut up. And they're like kids in a car on a long trip. <laughs> Dad, are we there? Dad, are we there? Uh, I gotta take a pee. Dad, I mean, Dad, Mom, are we there? They don't shut up. Now, when you're in the woods and you hear this calf, and, and, and a short story, I had this kid, I had this little, it was right behind camp. I took my wife, who's acclimating, getting into the area. My wife just got there. And I said, well, I noticed one area is about a mile and a half away from camp. We'll just drive down, park, and then kind of ball over the hill. I ball over the hill. This calf was going nuts. I was trying to call the bull in for my wife. Calf comes in. Comes by me, and I give my wife the thumbs up, and I said, "Watch this! I'm gonna call the calf right back in." And I start doing calf sounds, and the calf's like, "What do they want to do? They want to play with kids at the park." Hmm. So, yeah. so, so I throw another calf sound out. So I throw some calf sounds out. Calf comes back like, "Oh my God! There's play park, and there's kids." <laughs> and then they start running in. They start running in and they're looking for the kids and they don't see no kids. All of a sudden they see, they see a dog. They see humans with bows. <laughs> and, and sure enough, this, yeah. this calf comes in, calf comes in and touches my wife's elbow. That's how close she got to my wife. And sure enough, dude. It's yeah, all about cool. kind of the, the dynamic of everything that's going on in that situation. Well, I, I hope I'm answering some of these questions right now. No, you are. You, you absolutely are. And I, and actually we, we got some really good nuggets out of that last one there because that, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Now, the one thing that I saw you doing when, when you, and anybody that's watching the YouTube or this listening, what they were actually hearing was more of a scrimmage type practice. If, if I was to connect it to sports, in other words, it just wasn't, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was you creating realism or a situational thing with your sounds. Um, so it, you have to at times actually practice those situational co combinations of the mother and calf of maybe some bull sounds with some cow sounds, maybe of an estrus bull, I mean, sorry, an estrus cow that's doing some pleading or even demanding. So there's different situational things that you practice as well as just your, just your single calls. Right. Right. And, um, when I go through that, that situation, I'm, so I told y'all in the morning I practice the cow sounds. It ain't just calf and cow sounds. It's it's calf cow communications. It's pleads party. from yep. yeah. It's a it's a party from the, from the cows. Mm -hmm. So when I go yep. through all that stuff, I'm I'm practicing everything that I think that these ladies are doing. And then when I come back, 
And I come back in the afternoon and I'm practicing these bull sounds with these calf sounds because everything derives off cow sounds. I might throw a bull sound at the beginning and then I put in some cow sounds and, and then it all derives off of one thing and that's cow sounds. And as I said before, all sounds derive off of that cow sound. Everything's elongated, but it's the same sound. It's just elongated. Yeah. Jermaine, question for you, man. So you've walked us through of a lot of the do's, right? I mean, what are the things that we should do? Um, I think, I mean, you've been phenomenal at describing and, and, and giving us advice on the, on that front end. Um, for somebody kind of like me who's just starting to learn how to t- call, um, you know, th- there's a lot of rabbit holes that one can go as far as like really putting a lot of hours and trying to master this. Um, were there in your journey, were there any rabbit holes that you would recommend to avoid? I mean, what are the don'ts, I guess, in a, in a short way of asking? Don't? Yes, I like that. I like that question. <laughs> don't, don't pay attention to the elk. Don't pay attention to the hunters because we get, we get so, so engulfed into filling tags. We do. And I still do to my day. Like my, my freezer's got to be filled every year. If oh. something ain't filled in that freezer, we are wrong. We did something totally wrong. Yeah. There's, there's but, definitely some self pressure on that, on that. It's, it's a lot of, it's a lot of pressure yes. and you put it on yourself, yep. but. The the things is is listen. I do this, I do this now, for, for at at my level. I do this because I love doing it. Number one, number two, I love eating the meat. Number three, I love seeing my kids enjoy it too. And I don't value myself any different than anybody else. So if Corey Jacobson, Randy Newberg, or any of these other high-end hunters that are you see on YouTube or on TV are doing these certain things doesn't mean you really have to be at their level to do these things. Right. Now, with that with that with that being said, I don't practice off them. I practice off the elk sounds. Okay. There you go. I'm, I'm, you go. I'm toning in. I'm toning in on sounds. If anybody wants to be proficient at anything, you practice in based on, on the, the masters, real deal. On the masters, the masters yep. are the elk. Absolutely. Yep. The the yep. masters are elk. Well, it's simple. And, I mean, look. If if I'm learning a new language and I come to I come to the U.S. and then my teacher has an accent. It's, it's, what are you, you know, doing? Yeah, I, I'm going to learn English off with, with that accent, right? I mean, but, right. you know, if I come mm-hmm. to the U.S. and then live with an American family and then, you know, listen straight from um, the natives, mm-hmm. you know, the locals, then, then you know, you're you're going to improve uh, by listening to the, you know, to the proper way you know of what, speaking. You know, you know what the great a, – a great – a great YouTube video just – you, you just gotta look, look it up. Is 
it's a lot of places in United States are like this, but Colorado Estes Park. People film those elk year in and year out. Year in and year out. Those elk are phenomenal. Unit unit eighteen, by the way. I wouldn't give too many units away, but that's unit eighteen. Good luck drawing her. Good luck drawing it. Good luck drawing it. Hey, and and listen to them. Listen to those elk. They'll film them during the rut of September. They film them during Oktoberfest. It's amazing. And then listen to everything that those cows are saying and those bulls are saying, and then mimic those sounds. You don't have to be a perfectionist at it. Mm. But just mimic it as much as you can, and you will fool those elk year in and year out. But I will tell you, it all derives off cow sounds, and the basics are going to kill elk year in and year out. And that is cow sounds. Jermaine, that's man. great. Uh, that's okay. yeah, that's solid. amazing. I just want to thank you, dude. Um, I I know I so appreciate you letting me keep digging and digging and digging. Keep digging, you know? keep digging. I, I got <laughs> I got a couple more beers in me. Yeah, <laughs> but as as a coach, I kind of uh, you know I'm looking at it from a whole different angle on there, and uh, and I think our I think folks got a lot out of this this evening. You're fantastic. Um, you're Appreciate you're so much fun to be around and listen to in the first place. You know, and uh, I think we're gonna have to do this a little bit more. We got to have you back, have you joining us, mm-hmm. you know, and doing some mm-hmm. of this. Uh, you fit right in with the group, man. So first of all, I want to thank you for all of that. All right, man. Thank you. Yeah. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thank you, brother. Um, thank hey guys, you. I'm going to, I'm going to do this for Gilbert, man. If you like what we're doing, please subscribe, rate, review. If you have to, you're going to have to go to Apple Podcasts or iTunes to review. And guys, be sure to include your name and where you're from to get in our drawing. We're going to have an Elk Bro soloist up in about four weeks for those people that are doing that. And just a reminder, if any of you, our listeners out there, would like your questions answered on our show, just send your question to info at elkbros.com. That's info at elkbros.com. And I don't live in Texas, man. So our Elk Bros, what we're always saying, man, is keep believing and achieving, keep dreaming of the screaming, but most of all, keep grinding. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Jermaine. Appreciate you, bud. Absolutely. Thank you. Good night, y'all. I'd like to put my tag on you. I've been hunting a lot of years. I had one too many missed shots and one too many beers. I saw you rolling in when the lights went down, but you never even had a clue. Sunday afternoon I think I'd like to put my tag on you Well I spent a couple nights in the window Just watching the wind blow by I'm wondering where you're gonna make your bed at And where you'll go with that 
of a man with the working man blues. places. Tune in to Hunt Stand Presents Saturdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. On Mondays, head offshore with Captain Scott Walker and Steve Roger for breathtaking deep sea adventures. Coming to me, coming to me, coming to me. Double. He's jumping, he's jumping, he's jumping. Oh! oh. Look at Ooh. that belly. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue. Brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. Tell a few fish stories along the way. On Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. 